0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs.
1: For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time out for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. But is it really? If there is no piddles, is it a party? And today there is no piddles, but there is Matt Rocchio. Matt, thank you for sticking around for another hour. Happy to. Uh, Action Jackson is ill, and so Matt Rocchio, kind enough to uh, stick around for an additional hour after doing the opening drive with Randy Carricker and Carrie Davis. Uh, you are welcome to get involved on the show anytime you would like by texting in the Air Comfort Service text line, uh, and uh, that is 65780. This is going to be all cardinals all the time, so I just, uh, I've just i got an hour, and I'm going to espouse you. Now, just as we were about to start the show, uh, Matt, you told me what Dan McLaughlin had to say regarding his conversation with Ali Marmol, and I, I have to tell you, I really want to hear this. Uh, am I calling for it too soon? Yes. Okay. That's fine. You know what I'm it. going to do over here? I'm going to vamp. Uh, but this is because I want to talk about the game on Friday. I want to talk about the Cardinal offense. I want to talk about Paul Goldschmidt. I want to talk about the Cardinals going forward. And I want to get the audience's uh, feedback on all of these topics. Also, the new playoff format now that one round is in the books. And we will see how it plays out in the LDSs with the Astros, Yankees, Dodgers, and Braves all sitting out for six days in between uh, playing games. And I'm anxious to see how that plays out because we saw three of the four, uh, quote-unquote, better teams, the lower seeds uh, or higher seeds, depending on your period, but the home teams, that's what we're going to say, losing. So, you know, what do you think of that? All of that. But I think if my read is correct— Even though, from my standpoint, the reason why the Cardinals are done, and done very quickly, is the offense. And in particular, if I had to have one person, I don't know what to make of Paul Goldschmidt outside of that just was so uncharacteristic. Four strikeouts and seven at-bats, and just looking off, for lack of a better term... uh, I I believe if my read is correct, most of the audience in St. Louis is upset with Ali Marmal, not Helsley, not Mike Maddox, not Yadi or Molina for not calling attention to it, but but for Ali Marmal, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be. I have my frustrations with what transpired on on Friday, but from my standpoint. I don't think I have as much of a crash feeling with regards to the Cardinals losing to the Phillies as some Cardinal fans. And I want to revisit something that we have talked about both, here, both on this show and when I was doing the Fast lane, uh, and then also on TMA. And that is my belief is Cardinal fans, understandably so were distracted from the team's problems in the month of September by A, Albert Pujols' pursuit of 700, and by B, there being no pennant race. The Cardinals were essentially playing games that had no impact on the standings for a month. And so I think from a fan's perspective, it would be understandable to go, what in the world happened to the offense? And what I would say is, well, this was going on in the month of September. Oftentimes, throughout the course of the last month and change, I have talked about the 2009 Cardinals. And I had a listener, a loyal TMA listener, by the name of Buck Swope. Matt, you remember Buck Swope from your days with TMA. Uh, TMA historian, and he sent me this email. Records at the All-Star break, 2009, 49 and 42. Uh, 2022, 2022. They were 50-44 and in both cases. Significant acquisitions were made midseason, and they got hot to the point where they went three-plus weeks in August and September without losing ground to their division rivals. For stretches in the second half, these teams were as fun to watch as any team in the last 20 years. The 2009 team won games on walk-off home runs from Pujols and Holiday, plus they won a 15-inning game that Clayton, Clayton Kershaw had gone and pitched eight scoreless in, where Rasmus tied the game in the ninth, and Pujols won it in the 15th. Both teams were 77-55 and at the beginning of September, and then they played about 500 baseball the rest of the way, and then still finished seven games in front of second place. Final record 2009 Cardinals 91 and 71. Final record 2022 Cardinals 93 and 69. Both teams, if Goldschmidt wins the MVP, had the regular season MVP. Both teams suffered brutal ninth inning blown saves in the postseason, and both teams were eliminated at home on a Saturday night in the following game without putting up much of a fight so the parallel to 2009 is now official and that is where it stands for cardinal fans now i realize the 2009 cardinals are a team that for most people are forgotten but what i would tell you is that it was a team that was possible world world series champion i look at some cardinals teams that don't get there and i go yeah that team probably wasn't going to win the world series This team had had offensive problems for a while, well beyond Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, but... For the first five months of the season, uh, you had Paul Goldschmidt, Well, in particular May, June, July, and August, playing at an MVP level, and probably will win the MVP. Now, the difference between Goldschmidt and Arnato is Arnato hit the ball hard. Arnato thought he had a home run on Friday. I thought he had a home run on Friday off the bat. and I've watched God only knows how many Cardinal home runs since 1982, and usually I'm not duped by them. Uh, if anything, I don't think a ball is going to be a home run, and it winds up being a home run because I'm not at the ballpark to know the win situation. In this case, after Arnato hit that ball off a of wheeler, I thought for sure it was a home run. And he obviously thought it was a, whole, a home run. Uh, Goldschmidt, and he was robbed on Saturday night as Alec Boehm played a ridiculously good defensive third base. Paul Goldschmidt, on the other hand, just didn't have it. And it was to a point, and I they, they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have done it. But it was to a point where if they would have somehow come back and won game two, it was so... So obvious that I wonder if Ali Marmol would have done something in the lineup with it. It was when he swung and missed at the ball in the dirt. I thought, my goodness, now he's losing his discernment. But that's because he is he's just lost up there. And that is such a shame. But it carried over from the month of September into October to the point that I wonder if he was hurt. Because otherwise I just can't figure it out. And if you're going to have those guys go a combined 1-4-15, you are not going to beat anybody, much less the Philadelphia Phillies and Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. But the Cardinals were two outs away from winning game one. And then if that's the case, who knows what happens in games two and three, and so that is why I believe much of the focus, even three days later, is on what took place in game one. And I feel like there are a few different moments that Cardinal fans have a problem with, and I shall outline them here. Number one, Jose Quintana being pulled at 75 pitches through five and a third in a scoreless game in which he had only allowed two hits. Jordan Hicks comes in finishes off the sixth. Gallegos comes in, pitches the seventh, gets an out, then walks uh, Stott, if I'm not mistaken, on four straight pitches, and that is it. So now at that moment, Helsley has to come in and get the final five outs. Now, on the broadcast, Michael Kay and Alex Rodriguez are talking about how, well, you got to do what you got to do to win these games in a best-of-three, so you go out and you get Helsley And Now, for the record, Helsley pitched two innings twice since the All-Star break, both against the Brewers, one in August and one on September 27th, when the Cardinals clinched the division. But it isn't something that was necessarily common. In this case, it would have been one and two-thirds innings. But if you look at how he pitched in the eighth inning, he was money. No problems whatsoever. Struck out Marsh, who was just up there hoping that uh, he would walk him, and eventually got backward Cade, and then toyed with Schwarber with breaking balls before getting to pop out harmlessly to the left side of the infield. So I don't think many people were even thinking about an issue with Helsley at that time. You might have been thinking about an issue with Helsley going into the appearance because of the injury in Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. I know I was. But my fears were put to rest by what he did in the bottom of the eighth inning. The Cardinals go away or in the top of the eighth inning. My fears uh, were put away. Bottom of the eighth inning, Cardinals do nothing offensively. 2 nothing game. And what happens? We can't do revisionist history here. He did strike out Reese Hoskins. Uh, and then Real Muto gets a base hit. But it wasn't like he was rocked. It was a flare out to, to left field. Where he you? Lost it. I believe and where he lost the feeling in his middle finger, I believe, was the Bryce Harper at bat. He's 1-2 and two on Harper. And then the 1-2 pitch is so far outside, you're going, okay, he just wasted one. Now, here is something that I don't know if it was discussed this morning on opening drive or not. Uh, my understanding is it was discussed on the Cardinal radio broadcast. Uh, I was watching the game on television, and it was not discussed on the telecast. During the Harper at bat, Yachty or Molina goes out to the mound and they cut away to Ali Marmol. Marmol, in my opinion, is so confident in Helsley and the Cardinals standing, even though the tying runs at the place plate and his name's Bryce Harper, uh, that when Molina kind of casually goes out to the mound and then casually comes back, in my mind... And I don't know this to be the truth, but in my mind, I'm watching it, especially when Marmol was kind of smiling. I believe what he was doing was and because he, he kept looking up at the sky. He was waiting for the clouds to pass so the shadows would come back. Did they talk about this one on the opening drive or am I just the crazy guy?
0: No, but I, I, you're not the first person I've heard talk oh, about Oh, is either. that right? No, okay.
2: No. Now, I suppose it's possible that Molina noticed something with Helsley and was asking him about it. But because he walked out there and he kept looking up at the sky, I believe it was a delay tactic to try to get the shadows to come back to give the Cardinals a further advantage against Harper. And because Marmol was kind of smiling, that tells me he wasn't concerned at all at that time. But after the count was one, two, something happened to Ryan Helsley's ability to locate the fastball. And then you saw him walk Harper, and Harper didn't even have a sweat. I mean, those were three straight pitches where Bryce Harper just is like, yeah, no thank you, I'll take the walk. Tying runs on, go-ahead run comes to the plate. Go-ahead run comes to the plate, five pitches, walk. Now you got problems. Now you got problems. And the Cardinals keep Helsley in there. Two pitches later, it's a 2-1 game as Bohm is hit. And he is more than happy, even though the thing came at him at 100 miles an hour, 101, I think, uh, to take first base. And that will end the day for Ryan Helsley. Now, the sound that I want to hear is Dan McLaughlin on the opening drive with Randy Carricker and Kerry Davis and what he had to say in his conversations with Ali Marmol. I can't wait to hear this. Uh, What do we have here, Matt?
3: I talked to Ali the next day in the uh, clubhouse and and his office, and so I said to him, did you give any thought to letting Quintana go? Because I even said to him, you know, I was surprised that if you're going with the analytics, you don't let him face even Schwarber. And he said, absolutely. He said the analytics said to take him out way before that. And so he, he actually pushed past what the analytics would say to do.
2: Oh, okay, so I thought when we were talking about it, you were talking about Helsley, I see I thought you were talking about Helsley. Well, let's start there though, because that's the because that starts everything going seventy five pitches, five and a third innings, and that is the point where it all begins on Friday. uh It is 10 seventeen, and I am obligated to take a commercial break I'm, I'm used to doing three hours without doing them so. I got to call an audible here. We will go right back into it on the other side of the break. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN.
1: We are right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. Matt Rocchio filling in for Action Jackson. All right, I want to reset uh, the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth innings from Friday and go full on uh, baseball nerd with you. Uh, Here is Dan McLaughlin on the opening drive with Randy Carricker and Kerry Davis earlier this morning about his conversation with Ali Marmol and talking about uh, the possibility of keeping in Jose Quintana beyond 75 pitches. Here we go.
3: I talked to Ali the next day in the uh, clubhouse and, and his office. And so I said to him, did you give any thought to letting Quintana go? Because I even said to him, you know, I was surprised that if you're going with the analytics, you don't let him face even Schwarber. And he said, absolutely. He said the analytics said to take him out way before that. And so he, he actually pushed past what the analytics would say to do.
2: There it is. That's Dan McLaughlin. So everything starts... With that decision, Uh, well, everything starts with the offense for the series, but let's go go specific to Friday, which I feel like is, I mean, this thing's been nearly 72 hours, and it's what people are talking about uh, because you didn't have uh, shows to text into, call into uh, on Saturday and Sunday. So uh, with regards to the decision to pull Quintana, I think now what we're experiencing is... Well, you knew Helsley was vulnerable, and I don't know if that is uh, accurate. Now, did you think that in the eighth inning? I'm asking each person individually. Did you think that in the eighth inning? I wondered about it. I wondered about it. The, I wondered about Nolan Arnato going into the series. If you remember, he sat Monday and Tuesday in Pittsburgh. They played him on Wednesday. Uh, Hels- and, and, and the Cardinals or any team, downplaying injuries is, is standard. That's ABC poker. But when Helsley had that injury on Tuesday in Pittsburgh, I thought, oh, boy, this is a problem. And also something that flies under the radar and we will tend to momentarily is the last time Gallegos was out there. He got rocked in Pittsburgh. And I think that factored into a decision that we'll talk about momentarily. So the Cardinals are operating clearly on the premise that Gallegos is fine and Helsley is fine because otherwise you don't pull Quintana and put in Hicks. Uh, through five and a third, it's 75 pitches. But if Gallegos is fine and Helsley's fine, then you can go ahead and make that move and have those guys get you nine outs. And so Hicks comes in for Quintana. Here is the reasoning for the record. You just heard Dan McLaughlin talking about the analytics, and you heard what Ali Marmol told Dan McLaughlin. Kyle Schwarber leading off for the Phillies uh, is their leadoff hitter, I should say. Uh, followed by Hoskins, right-hand followed by Real right-hand followed by Harper, left-hand. Uh, what happens here? Well, what they're doing is they're saying uh, he's got Schwarber, lefty-lefty. He's so good. Now we got back-to-back right-handed hitters. We're not going to let him see Quintana a third time through in a scoreless game. Maybe it's a different situation if the Cardinals are down a couple. Maybe it's a different situation if the Cardinals are up a couple. But at that time, Yepez had not hit the home run. So that's the reasoning. You might not like it, but that is the reasoning. But then it sets off the chain reaction of what winds up taking place and what will be known for a long time as that ninth inning catastrophe. So Hicks gets through the final two hitters in the sixth inning, which means Gallegos comes in for the seventh, no events there. And then the Cardinals have Gallegos come back out for the eighth, gets an out, and then he walks on four straight pitches, Sto, and now it is time for uh, the Cardinals to make a move, whether you like that or not. That was the one that I wondered about more so than anything, which might put me in the minority. That was I thought, wow, Gallegos just made, like now they got a lead. And yeah, it's the tying run coming up, but I don't. This is this now. You're now you're bringing in Helsley because in my mind, I'm thinking I don't know if this guy going five outs is the right play. And again, as I said in the first segment on the broadcast, in the moment, Michael Kay and Alex Rodriguez go, yeah, this is what you got to do. You got to win when you can. Now, after Helsley imploded, they said, well, now you know, you got to wonder about bringing him in for five outs. But we can't do the results oriented thing here. Uh, so at the time I was wondering about it, but then he toys with Marsh. He's throwing heat. He's locating his fastball. In my mind, the jam finger is now in the past. And then he throws breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball to Schwarber. And eventually, uh, he pops out, I think over to Arenado, and that ends the inning. So you're like, well, Helsley is fine. The jam finger is not an issue. Cardinals don't do anything in the bottom of the eighth inning. We go to the top of the ninth. He strikes out Reese Hoskins. He gets Harper one and two, and then the problems begin. That is where you start to go, okay, what, to me anyway, what can you do differently now? What can you do differently in the moment? When do you get pitchers up, and when do you bring somebody in? Uh, Ali Marmol in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and talking with Derek Gould said, and I'm paraphrasing here, the only move that I could go back and see doing differently would be bringing in um, either Flaherty or Palante for Bohm, But he's comfortable with him finishing off the Harper at bat. It would have been weird if he would have pulled him for the Harper at bat, unless Helsley calls somebody to the mound and says, I'm not right, or Molina sees something and says, he's not right. And again, to revisit what I talked about in the first segment, Molina did go out to the mound, but my belief is Molina went out to the mound, tried to get the shadows to come back, and by time for the cloud to stop blocking the sun. As ridiculous as this might sound to you, that's what I believe was going on. And so after he walks Harper, do you get somebody up? It would seem in a vacuum that that would be aggressive. But... By how badly he missed and lost him with those three pitches, really miss, missing his location. Uh, now, in the broad, you go, okay, that's a little weird. Unless the Cardinals said, hey, be careful with him. You got him one, two. If he goes fishing, great. And I don't know what the set of circumstances was there because he never was close to the strike zone. So were they trying to get Harper going fishing? I don't know. In other words, were they intentionally out of the strike zone and Helsley just was so off that it just looked like it was really out of the strike zone? But in the Cardinals' minds, they're like, well, we told them to be careful, and he just overdid it. So now you got Cassianos coming up, and then he walks Castellanos on five pitches. And to me, that's where I don't know how you don't have something taking place there, because it's back-to-back walks, and that's why I said in a vacuum— and you know he is dealing with an injury. And yeah, it might have been tough to put Jack Flaherty in in that situation because he had never done it. Or it might have been tough to put Polante in that situation because he had never done it. But at that point, Helsley's not right. And I think it's it's pretty clear he's not right. So from, from that, that standpoint, that's where I got a problem with it. Now I know whether it be... Then you go into the, the, the outfield, or excuse me, the infield depth for the Segura ball. I don't believe they turn two on that. I just don't believe they turn two on that. Because uh, t- t- that's, that's, we don't know. But I just don't think you're getting... I mean, I saw Goldschmidt after the game talking about it. He goes, I played with him. He goes, I don't think we're getting two on that, but I don't know. But at the very least, you can get one out. You can get one out. And that puts you in a different spot. One out. Now you have two outs in the inning, and Goldschmidt, theoretically, again, you're operating on the premise that everything is the same now afterwards. Goldschmidt making that play diving that he wound up throwing home and Sosa beating the throw. Uh, Goldschmidt just gets the put out at first base and the inning ends and you're tied. Um, But, you know that you don't know that everything there's a butterfly effect the things and you don't know that everything will play out that exact same way so with that all said those are the decisions that understandably cardinal fans have questions about i gave you my perspective on it what are your thoughts six five seven eight zero a couple of things that i want to get to in the second half of the show what nolan arnauto had to say following the series I think it's worth paying close attention to what Adam Wainwright had to say following the series regarding his future. I want you to hear that. Uh, And then also, your thoughts on this uh, playoff format. The wild card round is in the books. Three of the four home teams are going home. Uh, One division winner advances, one division winner goes home. Your thoughts so far on the new playoff format. All that coming your way in the second half of Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN.
1: Right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dom's tire and auto centers on one Oh one ESPN.
2: Welcome back. 101 ESPN Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour balloon party, award-winning balloon party, Uh, Matt Rocchio filling in for action. Jackson, AKA piddles and piddles is not feeling good today. Uh, He did come in Matt, uh, but he was not right and uh and we sent him home you know
0: we like the effort but i know you just like me are also the kind of person who's like listen stay through three thousand yards away from where i am if you're feeling bad we'll figure it out without you we will
2: survive for a day yes he walked he he walked into the studio the tma studio and i said bro if you feel bad you know head home hit hit him with a wall that's right (laughs) And so Piddles uh, hopefully is feeling better and we'll be back uh, ASAP. So I appreciate you sticking around for another hour. Happy kind too. kind Happy sir. Too. All South City all the time here on Balloon Party. Uh, I want to play uh, what Adam Wainwright had to say and what Nolan Arnato had to say and it is my belief uh, and I'll tell you exactly what I think is, is going to happen with both of these guys. Uh, let's start with Adam Wainwright. Here is what he had to say following the Cardinals elimination in a, a series in which he did not appear even though he was on the playoff roster. So.
0: I don't, I'll tell you this. I don't like not pitching in a playoff series um and so you could take that one or two ways you could take that as it's been a good run or you could take that as as
3: motivation
2: to not never let that happen again adam wainwright do you think he's back you think he's done go he's back he's i think he's back. back too if i have to bet i think he's back i don't want to bet on it because i'm not really sure but if you say you got to That's what I think. And I think, I think even though you might go, well, he gave you two scenarios. I think the way he laid it out, I would say he's coming back.
0: I'll put it this way. Adam Wainwright is not a guy who uses words flippantly when he says stuff, even when he's kind of being cagey, he says stuff in a very strategic pointed way. And the way he answered that question to me was extremely pointed to. I'm not letting that be the last time you hear from me.
2: That's that's my read. So we're on the same page. Nolan Arnauto, here is what he had to say regarding his opt-out clause and the way things ended and what the offseason holds.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, well, I love it here. I love the guys, and uh, um, I feel like I fit well with this organization. You know, obviously, I think, you know, all those guys, you know, I, I don't know, I just feel like I fit well here. I think the city appreciates me. Probably not after tonight, but, you know, I uh, I really loved it here, so hopefully we can figure it out.
2: It's Adam Wainwright uh, and Nolan Arnado. So Arnado sounds different to me.
0: Yeah, a little a little cage here. The, it, the pauses are a little bit different.
2: I thought one of the more eye-opening sound bites of the weekend, actually, was Noan Arnado on Friday. And I didn't tell you I would call for this, so I don't know if you have it in the... Uh, so I'm putting you on the spot here, which is, which is why Piddles is so perfect for the show, because he can put up with my nonsense. Uh, but he talked about how he thought he had a home run. On Friday, and then said something along the lines of, "But you know this ballpark, it's just kind of weird," or something along those lines. And uh, and and I was like, "Yeah, he was." He, I thought he had a home run. I mean, I thought that ball—I don't know what it was—third, fourth inning. I thought that thing was yard. I thought the ball of Albert Pools at bat in his first at bat had a chance. And Arenado talked about it. He said, "You know, I hit a ball. I think he said 107 miles an hour, and Albert hit a ball 103 miles an hour, and both are outs." And he talked about this ballpark, you know, it's just it's a it's a tough place to hit at times, plus the wind blowing in. But I mean, I, pools I didn't think was gone. Arnauto's I did. Neither here nor there. The way he talked uh, following the game. Here is what I think is going to happen. Uh, I do think he's going to opt out, but I don't think he's going to leave. I think he is going to say to the Cardinals, here is what I need. He's only under contract through age 36. If he goes on the open market, he goes and gets more money. And at least he has the gun to the Cardinals head on that. And my guess is uh, the Cardinals will extend him through either age 37 or 38 season. So he finishes his career in St. Louis, but what Nolan Arnato is going to do, and this is the silver lining from what took place this past weekend. What? Let me lay this out here for you. Once Ryan Helsley was done on Friday, in my mind, the Cardinals were not going to win the World Series and so i was at peace with that is is now that might sound weird because i'm seeing some texts into the show saying this is the most painful loss the cardinals have had in the last 7 or 8 years and i suppose friday's could have been saturday's wasn't for me and i guess i can draw a, a parallel even though i know a lot of you aren't missouri football fans it's like when missouri lost to auburn a few weeks ago i'm like yeah it sucks but that missouri's not going anywhere and i realize the cardinals in the playoffs and the missouri is in their first sec game of the year But the difference, the difference is limited there. The similarity is in my mind, once Helsley's out, you've lost your take your pick. If you want to call him your best pitcher or at the very least, your best reliever, he's just not going to be the same guy in the month of October. And I don't know how you're supposed to get 13 wins without him. So in my mind, I'm like, well, that sucks. It's unfortunate. I lived through Vince Coleman getting run over by TARP. Uh, I've seen some bad breaks here with the Cardinals, and I mean, Ricky Ankiel's troubles in the 2000 NLDS, and then they tried it again in the NLCS, and it didn't work out. We've seen it play out, unfortunately, for the Cardinals. They've also been the beneficiaries. Don't get me wrong. It cuts both ways. So in my mind, I'm like, well, it, it's not going to happen. So with the silver lining is this is because it went down the way it went down and because Nolan Arnauto has uh, a metaphorical gun pointed to their heads this offseason, he can leverage that, not just to get himself another couple of years and make, I would imagine, I think he's due about $165 so probably get another 20%, 25% added on to that, which is what I think is going to wind up happening. Uh, And maybe I'll be wrong, Uh, but that's what I think is going to happen. You can also say, hey, we just went into the postseason. I'm 31 years old. Paul Goldschmidt's going to be 36 next year. We just went into the postseason with no disrespect to him. In game two of a must-win game, Lars Newtbar in center field, not Harrison Bader, as we were told this was the future outfield, Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. Uh, no, two of those three weren't there. Um, well, all three weren't. One's in the Arizona Fall League, one's in New York, and one didn't start. So we got a problem in the outfield. Time to tend to it. Who's going to play shortstop? That's got to be over. That that should have been over last year. That should have been over last year with the free agent shortstop market. But it's got to be over now. Paul DeYoung, nothing personal, but it's just over. What's going to go on at catcher? It's got to be tended to. So if I'm going to stay here... And I'll work something out that probably will be less than I could get on the open market. But we are going to make sure that we are going to spend some money on the offense. And even though I wasn't part of the Cardinals in 2019, I watched on television and I saw you guys flailing away against Annabelle Sanchez before Max Scherzer uh, tore you up in game two. And the series was essentially over before you even got to Washington because of offense. And I saw what happened against the Padres in 2020 and I saw what happened to us offensively against the Dodgers in 2021 because I was a part of it and I saw what happened to us offensively against the Phillies in 2022 because I was a part of it and I am not going to finish off my career if you're not going to commit to tending to offense that has been a problem here for a number of years this is not eye-opening if you have been watching everything other than Albert Pujols at bats for the last month and a half the Cardinal offense has been a problem it got fattened up by the beneficiaries of playing 54 games against the Reds, Pirates, and Cubs, but that's black magic. The reality is facing Nola and facing Wheeler highlighted it just like it would have been highlighted when you face Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove, or DeGrom and Scherzer, and take your pick of anybody in Los Angeles or Atlanta. It was just waiting to happen. So my belief is Noah Arnato will leverage his situation into the Cardinals not only giving him a couple of more years, but also the Cardinals going out and having to do something to tend to this offense. There is my prognostication for the offseason. Your thoughts are welcome. 6-5-7-8-0. On the other side of the break, three of the four home teams lost this weekend. How many of the teams with the bye week will survive the LDS? What do you think of this playoff format? 6-5-7-8-0. We'll talk about it in the final segment. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN.
1: Right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101
2: ESPN. Welcome back. Final segment, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. BK and Ferrario at the top of the hour. Tim McKernan and Matt Rockia with you is uh, Piddles is illing today. 65780 is how you can text in. I haven't read text just because I've been going off on a, on a tangent that I knew I would go off on once everything took place on Friday, much less the uh, silent Loss on Saturday. Uh, final thought, and then I'll go into uh, some of the air comfort service text line at 65780. Uh, the playoff format. So we now have the wild card round in the books. The Blue Jays were at home. They are gone. They were eliminated in two games. The Guardians won the Central. They advance on a walk off home run in the 15th inning on Saturday. Not a lot of runs in that Guardians and Rays series. And the Padres, my uh, destiny's darling that I have uh, invested in uh, back in like early September. Uh, I bet a lot of people now are starting to, to buy into that. Uh, but uh, the Padres beat the Mets, and now they're plus 175 against the Dodgers. And I realize the Dodgers won all of those games, but man, I'm just, you can toss Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove, and Clevenger is an option in there, along with Hayter looking like he's found it. And Machado and Soto in the middle of the order, that's legit, man. And the Dodgers have some starting pitching questions. So uh, that may be a value play for you if you're looking for some sweat in baseball now that the Cardinals are done. Um, but the Cardinals win the division and they are done. So my question is this, and I realize it's to, to ask this question in St. Louis, I kind of already know the answer based on what happened. Like if the Cardinals one would have won the two games series, the first two games and won the series, people go, well, I love it. And I understand that. But if you can, and I know it's tough to do, take the emotion out of it and go, okay. and now I've seen the best of three. What do you think? And I'm anxious to see what takes place over the next week with the four top teams having to sit around for six days. And yeah, they can order their rotations, but. They didn't get to play for six days, and we saw how that impacted the Tigers in 2006 to the Cardinals' advantage when they had to sit around in between uh, one Saturday night in which they clinched the ALCS against the A's, and the next Saturday night when they hosted the Cardinals for Game 1 of the World Series, and Anthony Reyes went out and beat them. So, I personally, personally don't like that you play 162 games and it can be over, as was the case with the Cardinals. Uh, let's see, the playoff series started and we'll call it one o'clock and it ended at, let's call it uh, 10 o'clock, so in 33 hours. I don't like that. At the same time, the other side of it is, well, be one of the top two seeds in your league, a division winner, that is, and you don't have to worry about it. But that's why my analysis is incomplete. Because what if we see three of the four wild card teams knock out these top four seeds, and people are going, "Oh boy, maybe this sitting around for a week having the time off isn't actually a reward, but more of a penalty." So that is something to keep an eye on over the next week, and then just primarily uh, that three of the four teams with home field advantage in these wild card series are no longer around, and in the case of the Cardinals and the Blue Jays, they didn't even get a win. Uh, The Mets were the ones that got a win and then lost, and they went out very silently as well last night. I think another part of the analysis on this playoff format will be you are going to see baseball into November, and it is going to continue to get later and later as they continue to add more games on. And my guess is you will see them add games on to this wild card thing um, because there are going to be complaints about a best of three just not being Fair, for lack of a better term, and you can say it's not fair, and then they'll say, "Oh, we'll add on two more games, and then we'll add more television revenue." That's what I think you are going to see. All right, I have been giving a monologue for fifty-five minutes. Let's see what the people have to say. A division winner shouldn't be in a three-game series. There should only be two wild cards. They play a three-game series. It's less mo- money for MLB, though, so it won't happen. That is uh, actually what you said right there at the any time you are talking about a proposal that takes money away. From the bottom line, you are talking about a proposal that most likely, once it goes into a boardroom, is a non-starter. At this point, you might as well play 154 games and have each playoff series be five or seven games. That is from the 618. I understand what you're saying, but what that does is takes away eight games, and that means you are taking away dollars, and then that means it is a proposal that most likely... We'll never get out of uh, the top of the first inning as far as discussions. Um, Tim, uh, would the Cardinals be better off letting Arnato walk if he wants a raise slash extension, letting Jordan Walker play and alloc- allocating the funds elsewhere? That's from the 618. Well, I'll tell you what. The Cardinals are about to enter the most transformative offseason since the year 2000 potentially since Bill DeWitt took over. Now, it would have been 2011 because Tony La Russa retired and Albert Poole's uh, left. But the difference between 2011 and 2022 is the following. The organization had incredible equity with the fan base because of winning the World Series. And so La Russa retiring was kind of his John Elway moment. Uh, you can go out on top. And so, in a way, it was fitting. Uh, In the case of Albert Pujols, he was going to get so much money that I know some people wanted to see the Cardinals match it, but I think a lot of people, myself included, go, oh, I get it, fine, probably better off for the Cardinals anyway. The difference here is a lot of people are irritated by the way that went down. And the other thing that I talked about in the previous segment is no one has a gun to their head. And I believe he is going to use that leverage to his advantage. Now, maybe he just leaves. I don't think he's going to. I've never thought he was going to. But I think he is going to say to them, hey, we got to tend to the outfield. And the situation at shortstop needs to be tended to. And what are we going to do at catcher? And this team needs answers offensively because I don't want to spend the rest of my career in a place where we get shut down when we go up against the better teams from the East and the West and we're not just beneficiaries of being in the National League Central. So, I think you're going to see more activity this offseason than we have seen in many years around St. Louis. Matt, uh, thank you so much for coming in today on short notice for Piddles. I appreciate it. Always great to work with you, All sir. Always great to work with you, sir. Uh, BK and Ferrari are coming up next. For Matt Rocchio, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
1: You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Tom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.